Would you open a Bible with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, where we will be reading together in just a few moments. What a great statement from 2,000 years ago to reflect on, even on the other side of the globe, in our own culture, in our own time. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I hope that our time in God's Word, even this morning, will help us think along those lines, making those very personal words personal for ourselves this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here an hour early. Appreciate your interest in spiritual things. I know it can be a little challenging on, at least for me, on this morning of every year, but it has been good for me to sing with you and pray with you already together today. I invite your Bibles, your hearts to be open. Our theme this year, of course, as a church family is finish what was started. And in a variety of ways, this first quarter of the year, January, February, and March, we have been exploring what exactly was started, why it matters. Obviously, when we're dealing with things from the Bible, we are talking about things that were started a very, very long time ago. Why is that worth still thinking about 2,000 years later? Why is it worth not just learning about, but participating in and doing our part to make sure that those things continue and are passed on to the next generation? We've been digging in a variety of different places this quarter, and I would like this morning to, I don't think it's overstating it, I'd like to approach holy ground with you this morning and look at something that was started a very, very long time ago, but something worth participating in with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, all of our strength. Appreciating where it has come from, why it matters even this very morning, and why we should be very zealous to continue handing it on to the next generation. What was started reaches all the way back to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. In fact, it is built on something that was started centuries before what is being observed in Luke chapter 22. We we are listening in and peering in as the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for three years has been spreading the word of the kingdom of heaven. And now he has come to Jerusalem with a very specific mission in mind. 
He's been preparing the hearts of His disciples for what He is going to accomplish where we are in Luke chapter 22 in just a matter of a few hours. But He has sent a few of His disciples into the city to prepare the Passover observance. And if time allowed, we could go all the way back to Exodus and, and we could dig around there with what was started in God's deliverance of the children of Israel from Egyptian slavery and how he instituted this Passover meal to be observed every year, once a year, tied to the phases of the moon and for centuries. I, I don't know what the oldest thing you participate in regularly is. I don't know if you enjoy going and hiking very old trails or participating in very old races or being a part of a very old family reunion. We all in various ways participate in things that are are much older than ourselves. But I feel pretty comfortable this morning saying nothing as old as this. Even in the days of Jesus, the descendants of Abraham had been setting aside this evening, the Passover evening, to remember what it took to liberate them from slavery. We pick up our reading in Luke chapter 22, verse 14. You see that in your Bible? Luke chapter 22, verse 14. When the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he was betrayed. And they began to question one another, which one of them it could be who was going to do this. If we keep reading in Luke's gospel, things begin to happen very, very quickly from that point on. But this is recorded for us, this quiet moment for a reason. 
Something was started there in that upper room. Something was intended to be continued from that upper room. In fact, if you go two books deeper in your New Testament to the book of Acts, the sequel to Luke's gospel, Acts chapter 2, we can find people, disciples of Jesus Christ who weren't there in that upper room. Jesus was there, of course, with his closest followers. We heard the term. He was there with his apostles. Now, in Acts chapter 2, we're not talking about 12. We're not talking about 120. In fact, we're not even talking about 1,200. We're talking about thousands of people who have responded to the message that What happened a few weeks ago in Jerusalem was not an accident. It was not a a tragic, unseen turn of events where Jesus was really beginning to build some good momentum, but then somehow, someway, his, his plans were thwarted by a bunch of Jewish authorities and Roman officials. No, we even heard him say in that upper room, I'm about to be betrayed. Before it happens, he tells them. He's told them multiple times before it happens. The Son of Man is going to lay down his life as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. But I want you to take this unleavened bread. And this fruit of the vine, and I want you to do something. I want something to start here that you do in remembrance of me. And so, as people responded to the news that this Jesus, God, has made him both Lord and Christ. He's no longer in the grave. Anybody can be forgiven of their sins because of what Jesus accomplished in Jerusalem. There were 3,000 people who responded to that message in Acts chapter 2. And in verse 42, something kept happening. These earliest men and women, now disciples of Jesus Christ, they devoted themselves. What are you devoted to today? What will you be devoted to this week? You know what that means. What you're going to prioritize, what you're going to really value, what you're going to make sure has a significant place in your life, in your heart, in your time, in your value system this week. It's what really matters. In fact, it matters so much to you that you think it ought to matter to everybody around you. Look at what was started 2,000 years ago. Look at what we know about on the other side of the globe 
because people, ordinary men and women, were so devoted to this that they wanted to make sure everybody around them had the opportunity to hear about the value of what these apostles taught. And as we talked about last Sunday morning, the, the fellowship, what anybody could have in common because of what God has accomplished in Jesus Christ. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. And that's a, that's a curious phrase, right? Maybe the, the very first thing that you and I think of is, well, that's just eating. But listen, not, not one of these words in this God-breathed account is wasted. I've got to believe, don't you believe that these people were devoted to eating before Acts chapter 2? I'm devoted to eating, how about you? We're talking about more than being devoted just to eating bread. We're talking about this, this observance, this memorial. What Luke described for us back in Acts chapter 2. The earliest disciples of Jesus Christ were devoted to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Go with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. It's one thing to notice, okay, this was started a very long time ago. But then we add to that the call to finish. What was started? Lots of places we could go for that. Hebrews chapter 12, we can reach back to. Hebrews chapter 12, we, we listen in on the end of verse 1 where we're not talking just to apostles. We're not talking just to people who lived in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or, or Galilee. We're talking to disciples. In God's infinite wisdom, this is something that disciples of every age can learn from so that we can know whoever, whenever, wherever we are, not just what was started, but why it, it still matters today. Hebrews 12 verse 1, let us, you see, we're not talking about them anymore, we're talking about we're talking about us. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him he finished. You see, there was a plan of God that started before Genesis 1 verse 1. Before God said, let there be light, he had a plan to redeem mankind. And Jesus finished the plan that was started. In fact, his last recorded words are on the cross. It is finished. How did he do that? He, he endured the cross. 
He despised the shame, but he looked toward the joy that was set before him. I don't know if you've ever thought about gatherings like this and even yourself in this way. How much joy do you think our Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ have right now because of what is happening in this place and places like this all over the world. It's not because I'm worthy. It's not because you're worthy. It's not because we've got our act all together. We, we have flawlessly walked with God every step of the way and exactly how we should have, but it's God started something for sinners. And the Son of God was willing to sacrifice His body, shed His blood. And as people of every generation respond to that news and are devoted to what was started way back then, there is joy in heaven this morning. You can bring joy to your Father in heaven this morning and to the Lord Jesus Christ who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so let's spend the rest of our time in God's Word in 1 Corinthians. Can you find with me 1 Corinthians chapter 11? One thing to notice what was started a very long time ago. Hebrews chapter 12 has coached us to... Run the race that is in front of us. Do your part to finish what was started. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 gives us one very tangible element of discipleship for any age. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you look with me at verse 26. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-six. For as often as you. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You have a part in proclaiming the Lord's death. You have a part in carrying this holy baton you have a part in finishing what was started how can you play how can i play my part well would you think with me from first corinthians 11 about five looks number one look up this is the lord's supper we heard where jesus was looking in order to finish what was started we understand that it matters where we look, right? As we're walking, as we're running. You don't believe that? Move around this week with your feet without looking. And I might have to put an awkward announcement in next Sunday morning's bulletin. Let's hope that's not the case. We understand. We've got to look where we're going, right? It matters where we look, especially if we want to finish what was started. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20. We'll talk a little bit more in just a moment about why these people were being corrected by the Apostle Paul. But listen, it matters how we do this. 
In fact, these first century disciples are told in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 20, you're coming together, but when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you're eating. And that's, that's not a compliment, as we will see. I need to be sincere. I need to be fervent. I need to be full of joy and anticipation. But listen, I need to do this in spirit and in truth. I didn't make this sacrifice. You didn't design and establish this memorial. This is the Lord's Supper. And so we look up. And we look in. Look with me at verse 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And perhaps the first thing that immediately flashes through my mind as I read that is, well, I know I'm unworthy. But notice carefully the language. It's not... Listen, you need to clean yourself up, get your act together, get worthy to observe this, and then come and do that. No, it's, he, he's speaking to Christians who have been washed by the blood of Jesus, but he is saying it matters the manner in which we observe this when we come together. We look up. This is the Lord's Supper, and we look in. I'm being called, you're being called to examine yourself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Four, verse 29, anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body. My mind is to be engaged. Your heart is to be engaged as we do this. This unleavened bread calls to mind the body of the sinless Son of God. There isn't anything flippant about that. There isn't anything casual or half-hearted about that. In fact, when there were some who were doing this in an unworthy manner, going through the motion, sure, there's... There's the elements, and here I am, and there you are, and so let's do this together. Some among them were weak and ill. Some of them had, had died spiritually. Spiritually, they were fast asleep. And so what's the answer? Look up. Appreciate what you're doing. Whose memorial this is? Look in. If we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. This is not a reminder of judgment is coming every first day of the week. It's not a matter of, well, judgment's coming. You're not good enough. You ought to come in here and feel really, really bad. No, it's... This is my Lord's Supper. By His grace, I'm invited to share in this. And it is a weekly reminder to look within. 
to allow my heart to be wide open. Is there anything in between me and my Lord? Is there anything in between me and my brothers and sisters in Christ? When we're judged by the Lord, we're, we're disciplined. Maybe, maybe our toes do get stepped on. As we remember what it costs. For us not to be condemned right along with the world. And so we look back. As we look in, we're reminded of how desperately we need this Savior. And we're, we're encouraged to look back. Verse 23, 24, and 25 of 1 Corinthians 11. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. A, a new covenant. A new way of having a relationship with God. In fact, something that had been prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus ever stepped on the scene. That God was going to make a new covenant. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I, I was their husband, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will pour my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor, saying, Know the Lord, for everyone who is a part of this covenant will know the Lord, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. We look up, we look in, we look back to the founder and perfecter of our faith. And number four, we look around. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. In the first place, when you come together as a church. That's the context of everything he's talking about. You come together in a specific name for a specific purpose with a specific mindset. And that shapes the nature of this gathering and how you conduct yourself within this gathering. In fact, verses 33 and 34 of the same chapter, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. That's not what this is about. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. 
This isn't about me. It's not a, about my own physical satisfaction. This is about me participating with you in something that is so much bigger than us. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ. Because there's one body. We who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. We look up. We look in. We look back. We look around. And we look ahead to our Lord's return. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In fact, if your Bible is open there, turn a few pages over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul, in the same letter, wants to make sure we understand what he means by that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And now this man has devoted the rest of his life to sharing this news and inviting people to become a partaker right along with him of God's grace. And so, same chapter, verse 20, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Verse 28, he speaks of the time when all things will be subjected to him. Then the Son of Man himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. You see, the story is not through yet. Something still is going to happen. Look at verse 49. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. 
For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and this mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. How's this story going to end? One day, death is going to be swallowed up in victory. Verse 56, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You know what he's saying? Do your part to finish what was started. Two thousand years ago, a link in this chain was established. In Luke chapter 22. Acts chapter 2. A a second link. We could call it the second century. Carried on a hundred years after this memorial was established. In fact, it it stretched 200 years into the third century. In fact, it's bigger than that. If every one of these links in the chain were a hundred years. This chain stretches from the first century all the way to the 20th century when I was born. Into the 21st century when my daughters and many of you were born. And so in just a minute, we're, we're going to sing a profound truth together in our observance of this memorial. That something was started a really long time ago on a dark night of betrayal. And we've just read in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus is going to Come again. And death is going to be swallowed up in victory. Advent, all all that that word means is, is, is a coming. And here we are, somewhere in the middle. Between that dark betrayal night. And the second coming of our Lord. And we unite those two eternity shaping events together. In our observance of the Lord's Supper. As we look up. And we look in. And we look back. We look around. And we look ahead. The one thing we do not do. Is look down. On anyone. And so whatever burden you brought into this assembly this morning, 
Rest assured that at times human beings are badly behaved, even disciples of Jesus Christ. But at our best, we are living with the heart of our Savior, who is not here to look down on anyone. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. That does not mean that sin is not serious. The Son of God was willing to open His veins for the seriousness of my sin and your sin. But whomever you are, this invitation song that we're going to sing has your name written on it. You're in need. If you're separated from Jesus Christ, your greatest need is to be reconciled to Him. He finished what was started. He gave His life for your sins. And the call has echoed for 2,000 years. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And as you do that, disciples at their best don't look down on you. They rejoice with the angels in heaven over you. Maybe you know that in order to participate in this memorial as your Father is calling you to, you need to address something that hasn't been addressed for a very long time. Maybe that's completely private. Maybe that's between you and a brother or sister in Christ right here. Maybe that's asking your brothers and sisters in Christ for prayer on your behalf right here and right now. Disciples of Jesus Christ at their best. Don't look down on anyone who comes to the front of this room. We look up and we thank God for being the father who welcomes any prodigal son or daughter home. So if you have some sort of a need that needs to be addressed even before we observe this memorial this morning, would you let us know how we can help you by coming to the front while we stand and sing together.